We got the Yeti mic out. So you know it's serious. I'm going to try to do this as, you know, cordial and decorated as I can. It's not the same. I'm going to try to take pot shots at uh, our former quarterback. But I want to make this a multi-part thing that's not just a stream of conscious type of thing. Um, so a couple of, a couple of topics I want to introduce is on the field, off the field, and then finally my thought process of kind of how this all went. I'm going to try to make this more succinct and to the point. Uh, I'm going to try to post it as soon as possible because I'm, I want to basically beat the uh, the big podcasters. They'll be, I'm sure most of them are already getting This is one of the few sporting events losing a three-year legacy quarterback that you pretty much tied your entire program to over that course of time. Uh, sorry for the scum uh, ahead of me or on, on top of me, uh, apart-wise. They are loud and ignorant, awful human beings. Uh, but I want to deal with them in a couple of months, so that's cool. Um, so, yeah, we'll get into those various subjects uh, in their own rights, and we'll go from there. Bonnets transferring to whoever, wherever. Uh, I haven't seen any inkling yet on to why, or, or or to where, not why. But um, the why, I'll kind of touch on the third subject, but if you follow the tea leaves, uh, it's been pretty obvious that he's had a foot out the door for a few weeks now. Um, since the injury, I want to say, really. But we'll just go from there and uh, talk to it then. No further ado, let's get to the break. So there's this um, tweet that was posted, I believe, pretty much as soon as the, the uh, news broke by Matt Hinton. I can uh, tweet in the uh, show notes, of course. But it essentially speaks to Bo Nitz's career total QBR by game. Uh, it has a four-game rolling average, uh, and it has a division by year, basically. So you look at 2019, uh, you kind of have this situation into which even game by game, uh, you have a pretty you know steady four-game experience. And if you watch uh, the first four games of Bo Nitz's career, I believe that would have been uh, Oregon... Two burner teams. I want to say this: the first was Tulane, the other was, uh, I think, I think the second burner game was Tulane, but the other one was about comparable to Tulane. And then the fourth game was AM, if I remember correctly. The uh, fifth game, the first extremity, an almost hundred QBR. Uh, I think this is, is this Arkansas? I think Arkansas was his best game up to that point. I would say either this is Arkansas or this is uh. Uh, actually, let, let's just pull up the schedule. I think that'd be the best thing to do. Fantasy football, Auburn schedule. But um, this first extremity is a hundred QBR, literally the as high as the QBR chart gets. And I already know what the second one is the next one, which is would be the sixth game of the season, is LSU. I, I know it. I, I can see it. I, I don't even need to know what it is. That is. No, not LSU. That's Florida. My bad. That's Florida. I, I, I mistake that in my head. That is Florida. That's his first... I think it's his second row game of the uh, season. A&M was, I believe, the fourth game of the season. And one of the worst games I've seen. Uh, I don't know why Gus let him go to his own devices in that game. He didn't take him out. He didn't give him a reprieve. I think he did, like, maybe... I think he did one Joey Gatewood play, and he went for a second one where they drove down to the red zone. And he instead just, I think, forced 
Is this, am I thinking about the LSU game or am I thinking about the Florida game? Either way, there was one game, it might have been the next game, where he just basically showed up Joey Gatewood publicly uh, when the package was for Joey to go run uh, in the red zone. That might have been the LSU game. But um, that's a whole other situation of itself. So it's like the Joey and Bo situation. Uh, it's funny to think about like those two. I the, the the whole debate was is this gonna be like another Nick Marshall, Jeremy Jeremy Jensen type thing, or is it gonna be the opposite where obviously you know Johnson? A lot of people wanted Johnson to start. Uh, he is supposed to be the more developed passer, and Nitz was supposed to be the most developed passer between those two. And unlike how 2013 played out, Nitz started and Nitz looked morbid, uh, while Nick Marshall eventually looked pretty good by about the third game of the season. Uh, but getting back to you know what actually occurred here. So yeah, the fifth game is Mississippi State. That was that was his best game to that point. I forgot about that. Arkansas was after Florida, which I thought that was I thought Florida and LSU was back to back, but Mississippi State was his best game at that point. I believe that was the one where they were just like basically throwing up like back shoulder faces to uh, Seth Williams and stuff like that. Uh, easily his best game to that point. I believe it was a ranked Mississippi State team. Uh, I think at the time I believe it was a ranked Mississippi State team, but I don't know for a fact. I may be wrong about that. Um, actually, when after looking at these rankings, I, I am wrong about that. Uh, I know we cooked a good Mississippi State team, but it might be 2017. I'm thinking about. But anyway, um, so the high was Mississippi State, the lowest forward. I was still right, right about that. Uh, this kind of right above point is Arkansas, and then we go and go so forth, and then he we get to the third to last game of the season, the second to last regular season game, which was Samford. Wow, really? I knew it was a burner game, but I didn't. That's very interesting. Unless it's a sometimes not. Well, this is maybe might be regular season. Let me count: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. No, it's the uh, Sanford game. I didn't know he was that bad. The Georgia game looked good, and I think totality because of the fourth quarter he had, where he was basically sparkling silver uh, up until the uh, last pass. But time, real time left to uh, Harold Joyner, where. Kind of a poorly placed ball. Uh, Joyner couldn't get back to it, and that uh, in that comeback against Georgia. But you know, pretty uh, up and down time for Bonitz. Uh, twenty nineteen, twenty twenty was even well. I would say even more variability. It uh, featured three, well, two kind of low lows, not really horribly low lows. We looked the rest of this, and then you know a couple. Uh, actually, I would say. Maybe his most time spent, in fact, actually his most time spent above the, uh, the, the red, uh, he had, he spends one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven games right above breaking even, uh, God, these dudes are fucking terrible people. Um, <laughs> they're just so loud, goodness gracious. Uh, but yeah, about seven games above and then one, two, three, four, five, five games consecutively uh about even or you know above even uh which is by far his most sustained time uh above even uh and you know that five game stretch correlates i believe this just ignoring the georgia game what what game is this i know i know the georgia game off rib that was the first l of the season after the game of the season i think if i remember correctly uh let me see was this the game of the season yeah it was South Carolina, that's what that was. Okay, 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 yeah, yeah. So that, that fourth low, if you look at this, following along with me, 
that fourth one is going to be the South Carolina game. That was that early? Golly, do we were out of... <laughs> I forgot about that. We were out of competition that early. Wow, that's amazing. But yeah, I mean, from the uh, Ole Miss game on, which was a very easy game in terms of what me asked of Bo. I think Tank basically had like 200 yards a game, something crazy like that. Uh, here's the LSU game, which is almost the uh, relative high. Well, actually the relative high of that season, but almost the entire high of his career. Uh, somewhere above 90 QBR. And then it comes, kind of comes crashing down to earth after that. It still was a win. I don't know what game that was. Tennessee. Ah, yeah, yeah. That was not a not a, not a great one. Uh, but then the Alabama game comes after that, which was uh, pretty decent, uh, all things considered. I mean, it was above uh, above the Tennessee game. And then even above that was the A&M game, where very competitive until like about the fourth quarter or so. And you have the Mississippi State game, which uh, would be the last dot as a, you know, toward the beginning healthy starter. Because in the fourth game, or not the fourth game, but the final game, it's Northwestern. He actually obviously got hurt, but not a good performance bonus by any means. And I only go, you know, game by game by 2021. I mean, we just lived to that. But literally massive variability every single week, except uh, this was a 12-game season. So the the um, what it was, 8th and 8th, eight, no, ninth and 10th, right? Because 11th and 12th. Okay, so ninth and 10th games uh, with only two that actually, this is crazy enough. Game one above, game two below. The keep in mind the, uh, I, I guess the average for his career would have came out to about a sixty-five QBR. I don't know if it's the average, period. Oh, okay. Actually, the twenty twenty Citrus Bowl is not counting this. So ignore pretty much everything I said about twenty twenty. Every game in twenty twenty was one game off. So the way I was looking at it was not correct. I wasn't counting uh, correctly. I would imagine it really affects like the past or last, you know, three or four in my analysis of that. But in 2021, all these games are as played in 2021. Uh, it would be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, because he didn't play the last two. Again, I should adjust for that. So that's interesting. Okay. So above his average line substantially the first game which was uh the alabama state game below substantially uh would have been the i think the uh the one a lot of people don't like no akron would have been the first one alabama state would have been the second one which was not a very good game by him uh third game i don't remember what that would have been off the top of my head but that was nearly above his average and then the fourth i would think was he wasn't that bad in georgia and i don't think that's the fifth game let's see I'm at the fourth fourth game. I'm at the fourth game right now. Um, would that have been Georgia? Let's see. I think it would have been fifth. Yeah, that was Ill- no, no, no. That was Georgia State. That was Georgia State. So the third game was Penn State, which was barely above even Georgia State. Oh yeah, Georgia State. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I get. It. I'm up to up to speed now. But yeah. Um, fifth game LSU. Obviously, pretty good game for him. UGA sixth game. Uh. Not his lowest of the season. Actually, I have the second lowest of the season, but about tied for the uh, Alabama, the LM State game. Yes, 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 yes. And then massive jump, almost his highest game ever would have been the Ole Miss game. How? I think he went. No, that Arkansas game. Arkansas game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Arkansas game. That would have been about his highest ever. Uh, which I think he had what eight incompletions. I think he went twenty-three to thirty-one, something like that. Uh, so 
about right, multiple touchdowns, you know, deep passes, blah, blah, blah. And after that, the Ole Miss game, which was a pretty overall bad performance offensively uh, for everybody in that second half. But I think Bo had a couple throws, 90, 90 turnovers, so that kind of helps. And after that would have been the next loss, which was the A&M game. A horrid game for, for Bo towards the end of there. I think Bo wasn't the biggest problem in the first half of that, but towards the back half, obviously, uh, I think Bo should have been benched just to... You can clearly tell, like, Bo is getting into the uh, the shell that he, he kind of went into from time to time uh, in his time here. And the last game, substantial improvement, although it was a loss in the state game. He was fantastic in that game. I think it's actually ironic that uh, that was the last game of his career because he came in, people blamed him for pretty much being a uh, sieve of, su- of success, to success. Uh, <laughs> I'm not trying to be like, you know, pooping on this man's parade or anything like that. Like, literally, people blamed him as being a sieve for that team's success. Literally, if you go back and watch the analysis of that 2019 team, um, a great defense, a pretty solid receiving core, and not a great uh, offensive line or a great running game, but serviceable. Um and people blamed him for being the anchor of that. And he ends his tenure here, essentially, as uh, the defense pretty much lets him down. And obviously, the running game just did not do much as that game progressed. So I think that's funny. I just think that's a funny coincidence. Not funny in a ha-ha way, but just funny. Uh, I'll move on from there. I kind of pretty much ran off of this. kind of gave my own thoughts to some of these games. Uh, but I think it's really the best way to summarize Bo Nitz is It's just looking at his QBR and that chart. That is perfect to describe bonus i can't do it any better than that and that's on the field section that's what we do off the field this might be a short section because i want to avoid spoiling most of the final section which is the whys behind all of this um but this one will speak more to just kind of how the off-the-field things went for Bo and uh, kind of how he was as a person off the field, you know, as well as I could guess and uh, glean from having attended Auburn around the same time he did. Uh, we actually graduated the same day, uh, believe it or not. But um, Bo Nitz seemed to be a very liked person in the locker room. Uh, I've spent virtually every game looking at uh, rumors and, and uh, message boards, blah, blah, blah. Um... I, you know, I, I could find rumors where Stidham was even like particularly in the locker room, like a lack of competition, like a, being a competitor, you know, that whole uh, diatribe. Never could really find, you know, Bowditz being blamed for this or that. You know, some people kind of reached with the whole, you know, feisty thing that happened, I think, last year with uh, him and Seth. Uh, you know, I, I didn't have any, like, substantiated beats that I could tell off that moment and based on just reading the, the tea leaves so to speak there, there there wasn't any substantiated thoughts behind you know a beef between those two it was just some on the field stuff and it seemed to have worked out um but other than that dude, you can't even like really find a contentious moment on the uh the board so to speak but uh you know both leadership you know i, I know a lot of people in a locker room like Joey Gatewood and thought of him as a leader, you know, all the types of, you know, tribulations and, and trite things that get said for a guy, you know, earning the trust of his team, but they seem, a lot of them seem to like Bo too, and uh, a lot of guys always came to, you know, Bo's bat publicly. Uh, I know they, you know, probably in inner realms, there's always going to be a couple guys that are just like, 
you know, we were this close, then, you know, both those three picks, and, you know, this and that. There's always going to be, like, some guys that break the mold, but, you know, to, to really look at the average of how a team goes, I think you can usually find pretty, pretty circumstantial evidence of a guy's, like, just dislike. Like, Spencer Rattler, you don't have to take, you know, too much time to find evidence of his teammates hating him. I mean, bonus, you might be able to find it somewhere, maybe, but, like, as far as him just being despised or anything like that, you know, but it seems like I can't find that. I, mean, I can just find more to the contrary to say that he was pretty decently liked. Um, my few times being around the guy, he seems to have been really uh, quiet uh, to himself. Doesn't wear flashy stuff. Uh, you know, none of this stuff really speaks to his inner character, you know, when he's around people he's comfortable being himself around and not just students. Obviously, being a student athlete, you're going to kind of the majority of swing athletes are going to be more uh, predisposed to being quiet and, you know, they can't really risk too much being around hype beasts and people who want to glean some clout off of them. So, I, I mean, I'm not saying that I saw this real bonus. Don't get me wrong. But he seems to be a very down-to-earth person. Uh, the girlfriend he has, she's not like, you know, some wildly flashy-looking, you know, Bought some, uh, bosom, is that B-U-S-O-M, whatever that, you know, I, I know what the word means, I just can't, sometimes I can't pronounce words. Uh, and all, you know, this and that, that and this, you know, as far as being a Wally, like, in the movies, in the, in the videos, trying to be, you know, I'm dating bonus, you know, blah, 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 like, pretty down-to-earth looking person, for, as best as I can tell, you know, a lot of times, if someone's just an outward, like, P.O.S., Something there's gonna be a crack in a flaw somewhere where they just can't hide that. A Spencer Rattler cannot hide sometimes being on the sidelines being benched that he is Spencer Rattler at the end of the day or a Tate Mark tell. You know, you can just tell some of these guys who they are on the inside. I, if Bonus is a, is a bad person or a really bad person, there's not many cracks publicly seen. Uh, it's gonna be a pretty decent human being on the outside, at least an average person. Um, and then, you know, how did Bo interact with the larger crowd around him, the audience around him? Uh, pretty much, I, I would say it's pretty pro Bo Nitz, uh, having attended, you know, literally every year he attended the school. Uh, 2019 was very pro Bo Nitz, even through Florida, even through LSU. Uh, I think, you know, some people were very annoyed by the Oregon second half, but I think well, the Oregon game, more the first half, but I think the fourth quarter kind of emboldened him and gave him a, a pretty uh, thick layer of protection for a while. And I think it was really, it really wasn't until the uh, the media kind of turned on him and a national narrative kind of changed where it became like, this isn't acceptable anymore. I would kind of think the UGA game didn't help. Uh... And a lot of people still, even by the UGA games, like, you know, this is a whole team issue. Uh, depending on who you ask, you know, some people have been more predisposed to saying, well, maybe we should have kept Joey, because after Joey got ran off, then Malik Willis had a ton of success uh, at Liberty, uh, it became a little bit more open to discussion at that point, uh, what, what kind of went down there. But got a couple of fans back towards the middle stretch of that season where he started becoming a little bit more competitive, uh, winning some games, but... I mean, it's just, he didn't, he, as best as it kind of got to a certain point, I think going like, I think he lost like three out of four games to close the season out. That didn't help. You know, the anemic offensive performances didn't help. 
Gus getting axed kind of left bold to criticism. You know, it's the sole, pretty much the end of the Gus, um, you know, uh, regime, pretty much. And the last horse that Gus hitched himself to at Auburn. So with that, he became a lightning rod of criticism. Had pretty much one of the hotter seats a quarterback can have. And it just kind of fell apart in terms of protection this year. I mean, every five seconds, you know, I, I literally was there when he started getting the, the rumblings of being booed in games, not just being booed. Um, and TJ Finley being a guy who, you know, for maybe his kind of mistakes was, I think, very... He got, he got the backup quarterback treatment times a little bit because of his frame, his confidence, you know, this and that, that and this. And then... Both kind of stinking up in the uh, Alabama State game, and then I think the uh, whatever game I said it was his first really bad CBR game in 2021. Uh, I think the Penn State game, not not there was a different game after that, but the game after Penn State, that um that didn't help. That that didn't help him at all, and it was just Georgia State game kind of it ended the uh, I think the, the dream for Bo. If I if I just had to project for a second, I would think that that Georgia State game, that crowd, the audience, uh, that ended the dream for Bo. He had multiple, uh, I would say, run-ins or, you know, incidents where he kind of faulted the crowd a couple times after that game. Uh, they can even include in that game as well. And just had some, you know, fan issues. Uh, wasn't a big fan of some of the teams we were playing. Uh, obviously, you know, as any competitor would. But just, you know, maybe because he had to pull the platform finally. But you could tell it was clearly, like, off-the-field frustrations, at least, with uh, Bonet's. He's still a pretty good dude, you know, saying, you know, interviews where some clips were released and things that made the rounds. But I, I thought I thought he's a good person uh, throughout, off the field. Um, guy loves Auburn. I mean, he says all the right stuff. But, I mean, as someone who was a fan of Auburn my entire life, I mean, you can kind of tell who really loves Auburn. And I think he always loved it. Uh, apparently had offers from Ohio State, even other I mean, he was, he was the number two quarterback in his class, you know, a, a couple points behind Rattler. Uh, and, you know, he had pretty much most of the, the major programs hitting him up outside the conference. So he really could have went a lot of places. I think he even had some quandaries about coming to Auburn and being, you know, in the kind of the limelight of his uh, father and that kind of shadow. Uh, but like Ghost, like Gus's system, uh, high school, he kind of played a more athletic free-flowing backyard football type of thing himself. So that kind of helped the uh, pitch out quite a bit. But at the end of the day, man, I think, I think he had the chance to lead in 2020. I guess I'll transition to the second half, or not just the uh, third topic at this point. But uh, Bobo, I think, was something he really liked here. I, uh, I think there's some reasons why he transferred that people may not like, but I think it's, it's very, uh, you know, founded. We'll just kind of speed around this quite a bit. Um, first, Bobo, like I said, Bobo was huge. Uh, I think Bobo was the foundation, I think, for him into becoming less of a gimmick guy. I think regardless if he liked the system or not, I think he kind of felt like, starting this year, like, I need to really think about NFL at this point, kind of deviating my path from Auburn. Uh, I think he kind of probably thought to himself deep down that his path was going to line uh, along with Auburn's success, like, those two things were intertwined. I think in his third year, he kind of realized himself, like, yeah, this, you know, 
not to say this game was taking shit for that he kind of thought him put himself above the team, but I think he kind of realized himself like if I really want to have something after Auburn, this might be a year. Bobo had you know Auburn connections himself. Seems to be a guy quarterback, so I can at least be around. Uh, had a little bit of a um, repertoire with developing pro style guys. Uh, had a, something of a pro style system himself, so I can see why Bobo liked him quite a bit, but. I think Bo, I think Bobo did some things for Nitz that I think in time would have helped him become a, a um, you know, a better quarterback here. But there's some things play calling wise I think would have hurt Bo. A lot of things that Bo was good at in uh, you go watch like the LSU game or the uh, 2019 Oregon game. There's some running things that are done, some RPO things that are done that and the 2019 Oregon game is not a good one. I just was happy to watch that uh, before this news broke, uh, but. Those are games that just have some running plays for Nitz that Bobo just never featured. I mean, Bobo pretty much made him a pro-style guy that could run and, you know, uh, broken down situations. You know, they gave him some RPOs, not really RPOs, but like uh, rollouts, like one-side-of-the-field rollouts, which were horribly executed usually. Like, I, I understand that offensive line has problems. And the idea that if you give both the option to run, you know, being isolated on one side of the field, it could work. But in execution, I mean, they just were not very well timed. And sometimes it'd be rollouts and games where the offensive line was fine. I mean, it was not always... The rationale didn't always make sense for why it happened. But there were some things that were, that were done, I think, made Bo a better quarterback here. Uh, so I think he would like to have Bobo another season. And to speak to a larger point, I think we would like to, like, not have another offensive coordinator. Because, I mean, say however you want to put it, but there's not a, a... You can't say for a fact that even if we had a pretty decent hire off of the corner in Auburn this season, that would have been a guy who would be here the season after. I mean, I just don't think it's a fact. I mean, you have, what, six straight seasons with new coordinators? Uh, 20... I think 15 was Chip. Or 20, I think 2016 was Chip. I think 2015 was Rhett. I think 2017. I think it's like five straight years of offensive corners, but I can't remember exactly how it went down. So 2011 was Bobo. 2020 was uh was old buddy um, Chad. 2019 I think might have been doing him, and then 2018. I don't remember 2018 was, but I know that you have, I think at least five straight. So that's three. I imagine somewhere along the way is Brett and then Chip. Chip might have been 2018, and then Brett might have been 2017, actually. But somewhere along the way, you have about five different ones. So uh, the street would have just, and there's going to be another new one. So it's been six straight uh, different coordinators. It's just, you just don't know. I mean, you just you just don't know. I mean, and the, the idea to me is like both go to the right place. He has three years. Like, here's another reason. Well, it's three years to kind of figure this out. He's a grad transfer. He has a COVID year. He has not used his red shirt year, and he has a year to play. So, his fourth year, that's a year to play, obviously. But the red shirt year and the COVID year are two years that kind of just exist. The way, if you look at, um, uh, Buddy that was going to commit to Auburn, but Jake Bentley. Jake Bentley. He has, he is on his sixth year in South Alabama just this past year. Uh, the one that's just been completed, you know. I mean, it's a bowl game, but I'm just saying that's a bowl game. But Jacob Bentley, six, uh, six seasons. He had three, I think, at uh, Scar, I want to say. 
might have been two and then a third somewhere else. But I want to say third, three of Scar. They got a, a, a medical pass, and then he used a red shirt, and he used two years, and he used, and then COVID years went to that effect. Uh, so he got six out of it. Bo can get six. So if Bo goes to the right place and then dumps the red shirt year, uh, just learning, you know, just learning the system, that's one. And if it's a good place, you would think that Cornet would stay. He uses another year to kind of hit the uh, ground running and then use the third year, you know, just to chill out, you know. So he can essentially have an entire new career somewhere else. And you can only do that now. I mean, you would think that if he stayed another year and got forced out, even if he, you know, I mean, if you got forced out, he had to use the red shirt year, you know, if you want to conserve that year. Then you only have the two years left to get somewhere else, you know, going. Um, so I think it was the best time for him to go. As far as just the way that years go, how to set up, I think it was the best year for him to go. And then kind of close it out, uh, the one people don't like to hear about the most is the one I was speaking to um, the fans and how they treated him. Uh, I think that's the one that... I think she'd be getting more credence. And I think, you know, the problem is that uh, a lot of people, you know, kind of only think of the forums. Because a lot of people, or forums, Twitter, you know, blah, 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 whatever. The, the social media stuff. Because a lot of people are not connected to the school, obviously. I mean, you can't be if you are literally not attending the school. <laughs> so, I mean, th there we go. I mean, you know, I mean, I understand why. But as someone who did attend the school, who did get tapped into more intimate social media channels than some random on Twitter, like, the thing is, there's a degree of separation on Twitter. And on many uh, platforms, you can be exposed to content that's one degree closer to you through mutuals and stuff like that. So something that a student says that, it's, it, let's say in his graduating class, that he follows or that he knows somebody that follows, he follows somebody that follows them. Their content can be suggested to him. But some, like, two Twitter following having bot, I think is like, you know, <laughs> not gonna really reach Bo Nitz, you know? And then more than that, I mean, there's other more intimate social media networks like Yik Yak, for example, that became prominent this season. And he got railed on that. He got railed on that. His girlfriend got railed on that. Uh, I mean, just a lot of stuff was said about those two. Uh, a lot of stuff was said about, you know, someone else has to be better. You know, D. Davis, T.J. Finley, blah, blah, blah. A lot of stuff was said. The fans booed him multiple games consecutively. And they booed him, you know, after he had the good stretch and they kind of came back crashing down. I mean, it was boos often. I mean, I think just, I think so much of the, um, you know how they say don't, you don't want to meet your heroes. I think the veil of Auburn being this fantastical place. I think that was done. I was thinking that was after 2019. I think he got enough love where it's like, okay, cool. But after that, uh, that 2021, you know, start, I just think it went away, man. I think I think there's some things that Bo didn't see about this this life here that kind of came exposed to him. And you know, I hate it for him because I'm somebody that attended, you know, Auburn, and it's gonna be. I mean, if you go to school somewhere, even aside from athletics, there's going to be cons to that school that just as this i mean it's just a fact and then you compound that with being this massive face that gets you know metric tons of bad press as he has in the past couple of years uh you know i mean if someone did you know talk ish straight to his face 
there's nothing Bonis can do to them. I mean, he'll get charges pressed against them, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, if someone even, like, you can kind of tell, I mean, if you mess up, like, let's say in a classroom, and it passes around the school, you can tell when people are talking about you. Just imagine that times like 80,000. <laughs> Instead of like your, 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 your 50 uh, classmates you may have, you have 80,000 people anywhere in the general vicinity of Auburn that you may see, or within other cities, uh, with, you know, road games and such, that are basically laughing at you, you know, when your back is turned, you know, pointing and blah, 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 or they stop talking you come in, or they give you like side eyes. I mean, and, um, the thing is, I think if it was somewhere else, it might be different. But this is this dude's like childhood, like dream, you know, like this is his idealistic football program. Uh, and just something that was, you know, a goal as he even put in his, uh, you know, farewell speech, I guess, on Instagram. That's just what he lived through, man, was Auburn. So I, I it's just, I think it hit him more than just a, oh, he should want to be, he shouldn't be scared of being, you know, criticized type thing. I think it was bigger than that, man. I think if he went to like, Nebraska, that was getting talked about. I don't think it might be different. It might be bad in a different way, but I don't think it would hit that man in the core. That I believe this has, and a lot of this, what I've said today to this point, has been just projecting, I guess, to my beliefs as somebody that, like I said, attended this university before him and after him. But I mean, I followed Arbor as long as he has. I'm, I think, a year older than him. Than him, uh, I, I can, you know, see guys who get criticism, you know, who get love forget this and that that and this only guy in my opinion i think it's kind of his his length his length of being here more than anything only guy that got more ish than him in my opinion was jeremy i don't think any other player and when you're a quarterback it's gonna be you're gonna be a different spectrum you know in terms of being talked about like christian tut in terms of ratio of being talked about in a positive way versus a negative way christian tut got more negative press than anybody else in the entirety of Auburn football. Nobody fucking Christian Tut after the, uh, the trying to transfer out and come back type of thing. That went horrible with Christian Tut. But in terms of just raw volume of being talked about, I, I mean, in terms of a, a career, I think Jeremy might be the only one, you know. Uh, he pretty much only had about one year in being in the limelight, maybe two more like 2013. Uh, well, actually 2014, more than 2013. It doesn't really matter. The point is, Jeremy got more than both, but that's about it. That's that's really about it, and I, if it's coming from people that you consider family, I can see why that'd be messed up, you know. But I don't think I'm gonna leave it on that. Uh, it's probably a 40 minute kind of think piece about bonnets and listen, I probably have had at least all in all between the various social medias, I would say like probably 400 pieces of content created, uh, just correlating the bonnets. I mean. Me being right about Bonus, me being wrong about Bonus, me wanting better for Bonus, me thinking something else could do better for Bonus. Me thinking he's the best option. I mean, in the same way as QBR went, you know, did these zig routes, I had the same thought process about Bonus. Sometimes I thought he was the best player that we had on the roster. Not really, but I thought he was one of the best players we had on the roster at some point. And I just thought he kind of existed, you know. Sometimes I thought he was the worst player on the roster, you know, offense, starting out and such. I mean, it's just, it kind of went up and down, up and down, up and down. And... You know, I, I'm going to, I'm not going to miss this whole back and forth and all this, but it's going to be weird not to have Bo Nix. I feel like he's been here for centuries. And being the COVID QB, I mean, he really has been here for centuries because COVID time has been 
like dog years, bro. Or the opposite of dog years, like sloth years, if you want to call it that. So, sending off of bonus. Uh, I enjoy everything he did as an Auburn guy. You know, the Auburn man uh, title, I think, needs to be retired uh, quickly. But he was an Auburn man, quote-unquote. Uh, he did his thing. Always took a, a you know, upper-class, you know, experienced guy for the most part. He has some flaws in terms of his uh, composure uh, on the sidelines. You know, obviously his composure on the field was a little bit up and down, but he could have been a better leader. I think he tried to do better. I think he really did. But towards the end of that, I think he realized that he had some issues and tried to do better. I, I wish it could have went a different way for him. I really do wish it could have worked out. But, I mean, there's nothing you can do, man. I think at this point, you just got to hope the best for him, hope the best for Auburn. I think... He hopes the best for Auburn, too. I don't think he's the type of guy that'd be like, I want them to fail after this, you know, no matter what happens. Uh, so I'll uh, I'll leave it in that, you know. Uh, I wish I wish Bo the best, and uh, I wish Auburn the best. You know, they seem to have a couple guys that they might be talking to. So actually, a few really good prospects out there, I believe. Uh, I do think D. Davis could be good if the if staff care to use Bo, uh, D. Davis. And I think Philly even could be, you know, a decent stopgap option. Uh, if he can kind of work on some of his touch play uh, issues, but that's it for me. Hope you'll enjoy. I'll hopefully be doing more Arvin stuff in a more positive light one day soon. Hopefully.